0: We'll do some loving-kindness practice together. Is there anybody who has never formally done the loving-kindness practice? A couple people. I'll take maybe 10 minutes now, do a little review, and we'll practice for about 35 minutes. I'll give guidance during the practice time, and then we'll save about 15 minutes for questions at the end. So, metta is the Pali word, many of you have heard, and probably you've heard also that metta is part of these four, sometimes people call them emotions, wholesome emotions, beautiful emotions, but uh, these unbounded universal qualities of the mind that come up in different moments of our lives. But this is really a systematic practice of recognizing. Developing, we're developing the perception of loving kindness, and compassion, and appreciative joy, and equanimity. These are the four divine abodes or Brahma Viharas. That's the Pali phrase. And um, ideally, we'd already, you know, be well acquainted with these emotions. They'd be coming up all the time. But it's uh, why not? To develop creative means, skillful means, to recognize and to bring them, in a sense, to the forefront of the heart or mind. So in a way, it's what we meet life with. Wouldn't that be a different kind of world if we were all meeting each moment of our lives with kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity? And it's interesting, I think, that how little I mean, we all probably, on the surface at least, we appreciate that these are very wholesome emotions. And not just wholesome emotions, but um, healing. Like, not that they're good in a, in a sort of, well, we want to be good, or our parents think that we should be good. Or, but good in a sense of they feel good in the heart, and they do good in terms of how we are in the world. So, it's interesting given that we all probably would agree that these are wholesome emotions, it's interesting we haven't systematically gone about cultivating them, recognizing these emotions. And that's really what this practice is about. So, usually the word metta is translated as loving kindness, but you could use good heartedness, I like that one, or goodwill goodness of the heart, basic friendliness of the heart. So these are different ways you could translate or intuitively understand and learn to recognize this quality, the quality of the heart that includes, or the quality of the heart that doesn't justify, doesn't take residence with aversion, doesn't believe in aversion. I'll talk more about this Monday night in the Dharma talk. So with the formal practice where it takes some work, uh, most meditation techniques take some work, and the particular work of this meditation practice is a little different than the mindfulness practice, where basically whatever object arises, we can Use that for mindfulness. So, if some aversions are rising, we recognize, oh, it's aversion. It's like this now. This is being known. Or if it's uh, just the next in breath, we use that. Oh, breathing in is like this. But with the loving kindness practice, we're in a sense it's a mindfulness practice, but it's a very exclusive mindfulness practice, and we're using other means to help the mind recognize the experience of loving kindness in the moment. So for example, we're bringing a person to mind. This is a a traditional way to develop loving kindness, is to bring somebody to mind. And today we'll work with the easier categories of people to bring to mind. So depending on who you are and, and your sort of psychological makeup, you might find it easiest to bring yourself to mind as an easy person to love or have basic friendliness, basic kindness for. For other people, themselves, the self is not the easy person. So then the word we, that usually gets translated is benefactor. You know, We look for a benefactor, somebody who's really been there for us, could be a teacher or a mentor, or just somebody that we have a lot of natural love for, good feelings for. So it doesn't even need to be somebody you personally know. It could be somebody you know about that's been an inspiring figure in your life, or some auntie who was really there for you as a kid, or even a niece, a nephew. Generally, for the easiest person, whether it's yourself or another, generally it's better not to take somebody like a partner who you may love deeply, but generally our partners are complicated people in our lives. And we have lots of different feelings about them. Uh, same with sometimes parents are a good person to begin with, but sometimes they're not because it's a complicated relationship. So initially, we, uh, to really develop some momentum, we want to work with the easy per, uh, person. And a lot of you probably have lots of experience. But even if you have a lot of experience, you may want to just stay with the easy person today and maybe for a while. Because there's sort of two purposes of this formal loving-kindness practice. One is to move from a specific person to a more universal expression or radiation. So we're sending that good love, giving it away unconditionally to all beings equally, including ourselves. But the other thing we're doing with this formal practice is we're learning to settle things down this uh, 100% focus, it's really a focusing practice on the experience of loving kindness in the heart right here and now, to the exclusion of other emotions. This emotion is being drawn up into the forefront of our experience through these skillful means, remembering the person, the repetition of phrases, which I'll give you in a few moments. So it's being drawn up into the forefront of experience And because it's, for most people, a pleasant experience, a pleasant abiding, then the heart, the mind, knows how to just be there, to be absorbed in that beautiful feeling of having loving thoughts, sending them out as a simple but beautiful gift to the person we're radiating or sending the phrase out to. And there's this movement of the heart that generally, over time, with practice, feels very good very healing, and it's a beautiful concentration object. So because there are these two objectives, one is to move from love being able to be expressed with particular people, moving to love being able to be expressed, offered to everyone, people we know, people we don't know, people we're close to, people we have trouble with, but what makes that wider expression or radiation possible is developing the depth of the practice so that's why it's good take today and tomorrow maybe or however long you want to stay with the easy person and even if you do move on from the easiest person like let's say you begin with a benefactor type person in your life and then a little bit later in the practice today you work with yourself and it gets a little problematic then just go back to the easy person. Or you're working with yourself and then you move out to a dear friend or another which you thought was an easy person. It gets a little bit shaky. Then you can always come back. So we're doing three things, and you can just keep these in mind. It is useful just to feel, generally speaking, this part of the body energetically. So energetically feeling the heart center. Don't make that too complicated. Just have a general sense of how the heart's doing. But you're not expecting it to be any way. Don't expect it to be this radiant orb emanating light in all directions. It may do that, (laughs) but expecting it to do that isn't going to help. So, but just feel, because sometimes the practice is going well, but the heart feels tight. It's like I remember Kamala a long time ago said, you know, if you've held your fist tight for a long, long time, let's say, 15 minutes, and then you released it, it's going to hurt a little to relax that muscular tension. And if our heart's been held tightly for a while and through the practice things are loosening up, we might feel some cracking and breaking and loosening, and it might seem even a little surprising, but we know we're not doing anything dangerous. You know, It's not like you know, we're doing something that's hard on the heart. This is good for the heart. But you might feel some, all kinds of different sensations at different times. So that's one part of what you're doing in the practice is you have a general visceral sense of the heart center. And then the second, as I mentioned, you're bringing somebody to mind. Those of you who are more visually oriented, you might even have a visual image of the person and imagining them happy or in some good place better to use people who are alive uh, the person you select so that you don't it's easy to visualize them if you, someone's dead you don't know how to visualize them because you don't know where they are right now so somebody who's alive that you can visualize or if not if you're not able to sort of visualize a person then just a felt sense even through the use of memory as needed you know you bring up a memory to have a felt sense of that person as if they were right here that's the second thing so feel the heart center and then actively bringing the person to mind. And then the third thing is the repetition of the phrases. Now, in the beginning, the phrases are often the backbone of the practice. And I'll give you the traditional four phrases several times, especially for those who are new. But for those of you who've been practicing and if you have your own preferred set of phrases, just don't listen to what I'm saying. Just go right to your own phrases. Don't make them too complicated, not too many. You can even come down to just one. But I'll use the tr- four traditional. If you don't know what to do, just follow my lead for today and maybe even for a couple days. Uh, we'll take turns. So Kamala will lead and Deborah will lead and then I'll come back and lead again. So you get a different flavor from each of the three different teachers. And it's good. There's a lot of room for creativity in the loving kindness practice in terms of how you're Bringing the person to mind, feeling the heart, the kind of phrases. But basically, each time you repeat a phrase silently in your mind, it's a simple gift. So your phrase like, may you be safe and protected, it's you're energetically sending that out. Now, we know in the world, nobody is ultimately safe and protected. But we can absolutely, in this moment, have the wish for ourselves or for somebody to be safe and protected, right? Even though we know that everything's at play in the world, still the wish can be very pure and strong. I can actually wish that. My father now is very ill, and uh, he's old. He's 86 in a few days. And uh, I can have that wish, but it's not likely he's going to return to full health but I can still have that wish for him. And that wish is a beautiful thing. So don't like that wish and the other wishes like may your heart be happy and peaceful. May your body be strong and healthy. May you take care of your life with ease. These may or may not manifest in this person's life, but that doesn't take away from the purity of that wish. So don't worry that life is unpredictable just really connect that right now in this moment I have this wish and it's a good wish and I offer it out energetically like a gift radiating out or being offered out to that person. Take a few moments, a second or two, just to feel the effect of each phrase being said, a couple moments of silence, and then the next phrase is offered. So we don't need to rush the phrases. And even when you don't want to, just stick with the phrases. So initially, We just really rely on the phrases. Keep coming back to the phrases, the image or some felt sense of the person, and energetically how the heart is is doing in the moment. Okay? And it's nice to sit as comfortably as you can for this practice so the mind isn't distracted by painful sensations in the body. Settling in, take a deep breath or two to help you feel comfortable in the body. I'll give instructions as we do the guided sit. and grateful to be here together. What a wholesome thing for a group of people to be doing now, sitting together and bringing to mind somebody easy to love. Could be ourselves, could be another mentor or benefactor in our life, or somebody simple like a niece or a grandchild. And it doesn't have to be the perfect, easy person. So see who comes to mind. And then draw on your memory, remembering them as a happy person, remembering yourself as a happy person. And we're noticing the heart centers. We're remembering this person now. And I'll begin to repeat the phrases and I'll pause. And then in the silence, you just say it again in your own mind, pause for a few seconds, and then I'll repeat the second phrase and we'll go through it that way a number of times. And you might even wanna begin by repeating the person's name. You could say, dear, and then the person's name, just as a way of connecting. May you be safe and protected in all ways. May your heart be happy and peaceful. And may your body be healthy and at ease. May you take care of your life with joy and ease. May you be safe and protected in all ways May you be happy and peaceful. May the body be healthy, free from pain. And may you take care of your life with ease and joy. And of course, if you're sending the phrases to yourself, just change the pronouns. May I be safe and protected. May this heart be happy, peaceful, etc. May you be safe and protected in all ways. May your heart be happy and peaceful. May your body be healthy and free from pain. May you take care of your life with ease and joy. And one more time together. May you be safe and protected in all ways. May your heart be happy and peaceful. May the body be healthy and free from pain. And may you take care of your life with ease and joy. Now just continue on your own, repeating the phrases, feeling the heart, remembering the person. Remember to begin again, you don't have to rush, remember the person, feel the heart, and begin again with the phrases. Find a gentle rhythm with the repetitions. And adapt and adjust the phrases so they're real. Support a real connection, a real generosity of the heart. Sometimes the practice is relatively wet and juicy, other times it's relatively dry, but we just keep doing the practice, bringing the person to mind, repeating the phrases, feeling the heart. And you can continue with the person you began with, but at any point, feel free to switch over. So if you began with a benefactor, then you might try sending the phrases to yourself or vice versa. If you began with yourself, bring to mind somebody who's really been there or somebody easy to love, easy to care about. And remember to change the pronouns of the phrases so that it makes sense as you repeat it. The phrase is a simple gift of your good wish. So remember, you can always go back to the person that's easiest. So the third category, if you want to explore today, is what's called dear friend. So just as it means, we can bring to mind a dear friend, maybe not the easiest person, maybe a more complicated person in our life, but somebody that's relatively easy to connect with, to care for, To wish well for. So take your time. If you're moving on, bring this person to mind. Feel the heart as you bring them to mind. And when it feels right, begin to offer the phrases and connect to the meaning of the word. So you notice how the heart is each time you repeat a phrase. Take a few seconds. And then again, then put the next phrase. And we're doing our best to stay with the loving kindness practice. Although it's okay to go back to easier people if necessary, don't worry about that. For another five minutes or so. Remember the three parts a clear sense of the person, the experience of the heart, and the phrases. And now for the last minute or so, maybe let go of the phrases and let's just feel the heart, feel the mind, body, noticing the effect from the practice. Feel free to stretch out your legs if you need. It will take 10 or 15 minutes if there are questions about the practice.
1: time sending meta to some people that I don't want to have meta. It's kind of ugly to say, but um, I wish bad things upon them, and so how can I wish good things for them? And I don't know if I want to, I don't know how to change that, or if Hmm. I want to, and I don't know where that comes from
0: either. Yeah. So a couple of things about that, even though we're not doing that today, but it's just, it might be relevant. So she asked about that, even though we weren't bringing up difficult people in our life and trying to send loving kindness to them, that they come up and she doesn't want to send loving kindness to them, she wants to send something else. (laughs) It's good to notice that. And one of the reasons why we really want to work with easy people, like as a formal practice, It's a little bit like uh, when uh, a lake is filled up then eventually it overflows the banks and it just flows out and that's an image that's used with loving kindness like if we really develop it you know how this is i bet we've all experienced this in our life where there was a situation and for whatever reason the causes and conditions were there that a lot of love arose in the mind or in the heart right and and it 's like hard not to love other people. You go to the checkout counter a little later and you 're just naturally loving to that person, even though you don't know them and it's just easier to include a lot of other beings and it 's not so much that all of a sudden the checkout clerk is lovable, but that in an earlier moment that you tapped into something that you know what we say in the meta world is immeasurable, unbounded, universal, or unconditioned so Don't worry about trying to send metta to the difficult people right now. Worry about, or don't worry about anything, but (laughs) develop the love for the people who are easy and let it fill up the heart, so to speak, and naturally wanna go beyond that person. But don't even think about, oh, but I'll never, right? Just do the work, so that's, that's one thing. The other is in just in your practice, sitting practice, walking practice, moving about practice, if a difficult person comes to mind, that doesn't mean you should practice loving kindness for that person because hatred has come to mind. Metta, loving kindness, is the antidote for fear and hatred and aversion. But don't see that as a, a, a practice reflex. Somebody comes to mind that we don't like, I should do metta for them. Because remember, what is our main practice here? We're opening to things as they are. So if strong aversion or hatred comes up, we're wondering, is the heart steady enough to notice the hatreds like this now? And like Kamala mentioned the other night, we might just need to touch it. We may not be able to be with it too much because we'll be swept away in the thoughts about how much we hate that person. But for a moment, we might be able to notice Hatred is like this. Not liking the person is like this. So the mind, the heart is directly recognizing that experience of closed heartedness instead of open heartedness. And noticing it's like this. Without judgment, without impatience, but just the honest truth. Hatred is like this. And when we, you know, can this be okay? It doesn't mean we want to be hateful, but this is how it is now. And we want this honest, direct knowing how it is. So if there's hatred, then we, and that's what we call Vipassana, or insight practice, where we're not trying to change the moment, we're trying to understand the way that it is. So generally, if strong states of hate arise during the day, that's what I would do. If they're persistent, then you might want to find some time to do some loving kindness practice, but not with the person that you have a lot of hatred for start where it's easy, like for yourself. It's not easy being a human being with this mind and body. you know. And then do the phrases for yourself, because that may be where your mind can regain its good-heartedness. We always want to go, you know. we want to solve the problem. I hate this person, so I should fix that relationship. But we, we hate this person, so we should want to address the underlying conditions that support that hatred. If it was just as easy as shutting it off, we would have done that long ago because hating somebody is a painful you know, state. Thanks for bringing that up. Other thoughts? Yes.
1: all yeah. children, all people, um, something that I can feel tender about, so I'm wondering, do you switch the practice around, or do you just say, chill, you know, with those people you do love, don't worry about
0: it? That's a good question, so if you didn't hear her, she was saying that she's found in her practice, and she said she's been practicing for a while, that um, it's easier for her to go wide than it is with individuals because most individuals, even if she tries to bring to mind somebody easy they're complicated and uh, that's not so different for than for me as well but one of the things about going to some easy person and working with it is generally the shadow of the easy person is attachment right and so it's really, we have to transform attachment. I mean, we don't want to bring to mind somebody where there is a lot of attachment initially, but like you suggest, even the people we're not sort of in love with or uh, in, fa- in our family, we still have a lot of attachment. You know, We want them to be safe. We're attached to their safety. It's not just that we're wishing for their safety. We really are frightened by the possibility of their harm. And that's that fear, that attachment, is in the way of developing the love, the kindness, and letting it really come alive. So we have to work at it. Now, we initially, we start where it's easy, but even, like you said, even someone who's easy, like we don't know, we bring the Dalai Lama to mind. I'm assuming nobody here has a personal relationship with the Dalai Lama or somebody like that, you know, that we just imagine being a really good person and just easy to wish them well. But even that, you know, we can get attached to the person who we're imagining the person is. But we have to go beyond the attachment. So we have to recognize that the wish for their well-being is really pure. And like uh, sometimes when you're doing a more extensive uh, practice of the Brahma Viharas, the divine abodes, you'll work with equanimity. And really equanimity needs to infuse the other three of loving kindness and compassion and appreciative joy. So we know, like we're remembering, even though I'm sending out the wish, may you be safe and protected, I know that they may or may not be safe and protected in this moment. So I'm really tuning into the purity of that wish at the same time knowing that I don't know. And I don't know what's in store for that person but the wish is really pure. And so it's really a matter of what we're attending to. Like if your mind is attending to other possibilities, then just how can you redirect it to the phrase and the meaning of the phrase and the fact that the phrase is representing a generosity to the heart right now in this moment. Like the heart actually is capable of wishing that person well. Given the uncertain world we live in, the heart is able to right now No matter the uncertainty, may you be safe and protected. May you be happy and peaceful. So don't try to exclude the uncertainty. Try to find the power of that wish even in the midst of the uncertainty with that person or the attachment or the fear that things may not turn out well for them or whatever might be disturbing it. That's why it's a practice. So it's okay to go wide. It's not, like I said earlier, there's a room for a lot of creativity. But in the, like at home, that's especially true. But because this is an unusual situation, you might want to use the instructions that you're given kind of as a training, even though it's not your inclination when you're just sort of exploring on your own. Um, And that way you learn from both. There's a lot to learn by just following your nose and seeing, like starting where it's easy. And there's something to learn, too, by just, okay, I'm just going to stick with the easy person, um, even though it's challenging, and just see what you learn. Maybe time for one or two more. Mm hmm
1: Who knows what's going to happen. But when it came to may my heart be happy and peaceful and may I take care of my life with um, joy and ease, I said that's really up to me. And it just
0: And what what did you say that it, it did, what, that it came alive, or what when you said those other? I, I could feel myself wholeheartedly wishing. It. Mm-hmm. All yeah. Of it. I could wish it,
1: but the the flavor of those of two of them were um, like you said this acceptance that I could wish it, but it it wasn't totally up to me. Yeah. And yet, with the other two, there was this, um, I I don't know how it was presented. Yeah. Trying to get more of how it was presented. Um, All I could say was it was, um, no, it wasn't like a light bulb. It was um, this truth. Yeah.
0: could only come, I was the only one who could make it come true. Yeah. Okay, that, maybe that's what Yeah, and that's, the, that's really what we're looking for, is an authenticity in the phrase. So it, it's not sentimental, it's not wishful thinking. That we actually, uh, like there's a power behind the wish. So She was saying that a couple of the phrases, uh, she could say them and she was wholehearted, but there was a little ambiguity or doubt with the, the phrase. But a couple that just had some real strength, and like, she felt she could really wish that for herself. That, and you mentioned, did you use the word responsibility? Like, you could be responsible for that. Is that the word you used? Yeah, yeah. It's really up to me if if
1: I bring ease and joy to my life, and it's really up to me if I allow my my heart to be happy and peaceful. That that that's
0: really up to me. Yeah. And so there's an interesting, and I don't know if this will get at what you're saying, uh, but there's an interesting dynamic in the loving-kindness practice between being the giver and being the recipient of the good wish. And you can play with both, but just be aware. Like, the purity of the giver, like when we give a good wish out, we don't know its effect in the world. We just know... It's a good gift, and the intention is pure, and I'm offering it. And that, that's enough, even though we don't know what's going to come from that good wish. And then the other side is like uh, learning to receive the good wish, and that may be more what you're talking about. It's like some of those wishes, when you receive them, didn't feel like they were of much value. But a couple of those wishes that you were offering yourself Felt like a real gift because you recognize that you could, you could own it. You could do something about that wish. You could inhabit it, make it true, basically, because you felt like it was in your realm, in the realm of action, like how you lived, the choices you made. And so, just be aware of those two dynamics of receiving, especially when you're working, of course, with yourself, that you can have a sense of receiving the good wish that you're sending and what does that feel like and that giving away of the good wish. Generally because we're working with other beings besides yourself, we're really taking the role of the one who wishes well. But interestingly, we receive a lot in that role. Like there's something that comes by giving. I mean that's part of what we find is this movement of the heart or an upwelling to sort of feed the wishing. You know, it comes and it goes out. Time for one more in the back. Um, my question is more of a request
1: and that is um is there a way to get a written to maybe have a copy of the uh, question? Because although I heard you initially you did that and I had a very good uh personal session, I had to rely on um, close proximity
0: rather than using the phrases with So you're you're requesting that the phrases be posted? Oh, yeah, that's easy to do. We'll put them on the bulletin board.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Great, so it's uh, 10 to 5. I think that means 10 minutes for walking practice before the evening meal. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.